Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Campionato di calcio italiano Welcome along to the latest Forza Italian football podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Connor Clancy, and joining me this week, as always, is Nicholas Carroll. Nick, how are we? Yeah, I'm all right, Connor. I'm happy to be back, as always. It's been an in- another interesting week of Serie A. Lots of goals. Crotone continue their incredible run of form, and um, I think we should just not really talk about either of the Milan clubs, so... Oh, trust me, it'll be a, it'll be no more than a passing mention for both because they deserve no more than that. And also joining us is someone who regular viewers of FIF TV will be familiar with. Um, listeners to the pod might remember him from going a bit back now. It's Vieri Capretta. Vieri, welcome along. Hello, ciao, everybody. Uh, honestly, really happy to be back. The pod is is always the pod, and uh, yeah, there's there's a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. I guess the obvious place to start then is at the top because Juventus saw their 33-game winning streak at home ended by local rivals Torino in the Derby della Mole. Um, To be fair, it's an astonishing record. I know it's come to an end, but Nick, do you want to try and put into context just how impressive this is maybe? Uh, Yeah, I mean... You know, you got the likes of Manchester United on their unbeaten streak in the Premier League. And I guess for context, you kind of see how underwhelming that is. Um, but for Juventus to have that winning every game, winning is the key thing. A winning streak is, it requires an unbelievable amount of consistency, of men, strong mentality and then culture player attitude it's it's basically a whole combination of things to, to enable that to happen uh coaching strategies um you know and obviously the squad depth to back it up so yeah um you know we, we've spoken i think last week quite a bit about how incredible juve's run actually has been 
um, including the Champions League. And possibly that's what makes this so incredible is the fact that they are doing so well in Europe and in the Coppa Italia while they have this kind of run going in Serie A. So, um, yeah, it's you know, a very deserved record, I guess. So, I suppose if we're going to talk about the game specifically, Torino deserve a lot of credit, really. They went one up through uh, an astonishing Adam Jajic free kick, which I'm pretty sure that's the only reason he got into your team with the weak Fieri. But do you think it's safe to say that the red card changed the game? Fieri, I'll bring you into it now um, because Torino really didn't look like they were going to concede up until Afriya Aqua got sent off just about five minutes after the goal. So what are your thoughts there? I think there's the game can be divided in kind of three phases. The first half, Juve could have gone one nil up. They had they hit the bar with uh, Benacia, and obviously that's a massive chance. Then after Torino's goal early in the second half, um, or was that at the end of the first half? Well, after yeah, Torino's goal, early in, second, yeah. early in the second half. After Torino's goal, then at that stage, it didn't seem for a while like Juve could equalize. And then the pressure just kept on increasing, especially after, obviously, Torino went down to 10 men. I personally think Juventus deserved to to draw that game, not to win it because Torino had their chances. Um, They they played to almost at the level of of Juve, especially considering the difference in the teams. But um, but I think that it was more of an isolated episode, really. And obviously, Mialovic's reaction, um, making it a big show uh, in TV as well. So, obviously, I don't think it was a red card, but I don't think it influenced the final result as much as, as it might seem from outside. Yeah, we've had a comment there on the live bit coming in on YouTube from Matt who says he thinks Juventus played way, way better after their goal and it was kind of a shame that their goal came so late from their point of view because the last 10 minutes was just an onslaught and Torino did quite well to fight it off really but um, Gonzalo Higuain, Nick, he did pretty much, I, th- I put up a tweet saying that it was pretty much the same goal that he scored in Naples last month when we were there and he kind of just showed why Juve are top by being hashtag clinical. Am I right? <laughs> um, for those of you who don't get that reference, keep an eye on FIF TV tomorrow and um, watch Nick's video. You'll understand it then. But Nick, yeah, the point, the question stands. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as a, as a team, it probably wasn't the most clinical performance, but as you said, for someone like Gonzalo Higuain, as we've seen time and time again, he, he just needs a, a slither of a chance and he can take it. We saw that against Napoli in a move which, as you said, it was quite similar. It seemed to be from nothing, just turned and shot. And it was very similar here. Um, you know, it, it didn't seem like it was happening and it was very much just came down to him lifting for that moment. So I guess kind of... Uh, justifying that kind of price tag. Yeah, I think you're being a bit generous to even describe that as a half chance because it didn't seem like the shot was on at all. He was being closed down. He just found the slightest little gap to get it through. But basically, Juventus slipped up, so they have to win next week to win the league or not lose, I think, in Rome. 
um, it's going to be a heartbreaking end to Francesco Totti's career, isn't it, to see Juventus win the Scudetto in the Stadio Olimpico? <laughs> well, it seems like his, his his career is pretty heartbreaking. Anyway, the end of, the end to it. There's a, he's always in the center of attention, but for the wrong reason. For Spalletti not bringing him up on the pitch. For him, like last year, talking in interviews against his own coach. Um, there's not much left for Totti to do on the pitch. And it's all about him um, off the pitch. So I think Juventus celebrating at the Olimpico is the last of his problems. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point, actually. We will move on to Roma now because they beat Milan 4-1 to keep the Scudetto race, if you even want to call it that. I personally don't. But um, to keep their hopes of finishing above Napoli alive, um, I saw a tweet saying that that's Roma sending out a signal of intent. Um, I interpret that as meaning they don't like winning things and quite feel quite comfortable in second, but interpret that how you will. Um, I suppose it does give them a bit of good momentum, though, before they welcome Juve to the Olympico. Vieri, do you think they can put the celebrations on hold for another week, or is this just going to be straightforward for Juve? Well, I think Juventus are going to win the league, but they might not necessarily do it in Rome. It's a difficult one because Juve will be coming out of a Champions League tie, which on paper seems very easy, but if it goes the wrong way... I'm not saying lose it, Juve losing it, but I'm saying it might be a bit tougher than they think against Monaco. Then they might not care as much about winning in Rome. The thing is, all they need is a draw. So it seems very difficult for Roma to not have them celebrating in-house. And yes, Roma come into this game after a great victory at the San Siro against AC Milan. But before that, a very difficult month and all the media in Italy are talking about is Spalletti not playing Francesco Totti at the San Siro. Yeah, well, uh, I'll jump in there because Spalletti seemed quite um, frustrated. I was trying to say that without swearing there, but after the game, despite them winning 4-1, he made a comment. It could have just been a throwaway line saying that he wishes he never came back to Roma because Every week, that's all he's asked about. If he plays Totti for five minutes, he's accused of being disrespectful. And then if he doesn't play him, he gets asked why he didn't play him for even five minutes. So um, Spalletti is clearly a bit annoyed and maybe even unsettled in Rome. Nick, do you think there's a chance that he could walk this summer? Uh, His contract is up and he hasn't signed a renewal yet. Yeah, to be honest, there's been rumours of this for quite a bit, um, particularly around when there was talk of Allegri possibly leaving Juventus and that Spalletti might take over. I didn't really think too much of it, but for him to actually come out after the game and say he actually, what was it, if he could go back, he wouldn't have gone back to Roma, to actually come out and say that is, well, firstly, it takes some balls because... You know, the, the Roma fans won't be too happy about that, I'm sure. Um, but secondly, you have to wonder where he's kind of, where he's mentally at in that in that respect because it doesn't show a great deal of commitment to the club. So you have to wonder if he does have some kind of plans elsewhere with that in mind. So, yeah, it's, it's it does bring up a lot of question mark. There's no doubts about that. Yeah, if we're going to talk about Totti then just for a minute, I suppose that was 
what could have been his last visit to the San Siro and of course he didn't get on. I thought it was a nice twitch from the cover suit in Milan to applaud his name at the start when it was read out and I think there was a banner to say in respect of a great rival or something along those lines. Another one of the questions coming in live is from Aaron Holland. Sorry if I've mispronounced your first name there. But do you, Nick, I'll stick with you. Do you think that Roma will need to replace Totti in that playmaker position or because he's been out of the first team for a couple of seasons now, will they need to? Yeah, I don't think they, I mean, no one will ever replace Totti. I think, you know, everyone can pretty much agree with that. But I think a a big uh, positive of Spalletti is what he has been able to do in the past 12 months or so is he's able to build that team into something that doesn't really require that role that Totti was playing in previous seasons, which is why I think we're getting a lot of that controversy as he's only playing five minutes, if anything at all. Because really, it's, I mean, you, you look at that Roma squad that's lining up every week and you just think, I mean, it's sad, but Totti shouldn't be in that, in that starting lineup. And, you know, he, he should be struggling to make, a, to make an appearance, really, because he, the, te- the team is better how it is. And that's why I guess I can, I can very much feel for Spalletti because he's, he's charged with this. Um, I can't remember his words exactly, but he's charged with kind of managing this legend's, the end of this legend's career when he's just trying to win football matches. And, he, you know, in in context, he's doing a great job. And they've made a lot of progress, which we've t- spoken about in the last couple of weeks. So I, th- I think the squad has progressed in a way that they have moved past a reliance on Totti. They will never replace him, but... Um, yeah, I think that's where a lot of the kind of controversy is coming in, that he isn't really needed anymore. Uh, speaking of players that don't really deserve to be on the pitch for Roma, um, Stefano Shirawi scored again. Uh, <laughs> that's the second time he scored going back to the San Siro for Roma. Very. El Shirawi is someone who had a lot of hype around him when he came through at Milan, and he's never really lived up to it. He seemed to be figured out quite early on. Um, what do you think the future holds for him? Because Surely he's not going to be at a club the size of Roma for too much longer. Well, I mean, the problem with him is, uh, is consistency. I remember actually seeing him live when he used to play for Padova in a Serie B playoff game uh, against Varese. And he basically won the game on his own. You could tell he wasn't Serie B level, but high-end Serie A level already. And... Uh, AC Milan bought him from Genoa the following season for 15 million euros. And he started off really, really well in Allegri's third season uh, at AC Milan when he scored those, I think he ended up the season with 17 goals, but about 15 scored in the first half of the season. And he was playing every single game. And AC Milan were struggling as a team, but he made a difference as an individual. Now, the problem is a team like Roma, as you were saying, Nick, Totti struggles, obviously, to find a place in this team. But why would El Sharari uh, deserve to play? I mean, I personally really like uh, Perotti, what mm. he gives to such a team, considering the other players in attack are uh, Salah, who is a much more vertical player, whereas Perotti plays more with his teammates, scores less, but it kind of gives the team a, a more all-round football up front and El Sharawi is a very good 
player to have on the bench for Roma. But he always struggles to find that consistency. I can only see him restarting from a minor club, taking a step back to become almost a, a starter no matter how he plays. He needs that mm-hmm. kind of... I, I could see him in a place like maybe Sassuolo, Hmm. where there's not that much pressure in terms of results, not even in terms of relegation. So you, you're, you're, you've got a fresh mind and I could see him playing every single week. Only then we could find a player who, for a national team that wants to rely a lot on, uh, on wingers, could actually be very useful. Yeah, Torino are a club that came into mind as we were speaking there. Yeah. But yeah, even there, they have a lot of competition for places in that attacking dimension of the pitch and even at Torino you could see Alshawi struggling to get a game every week I think that's probably enough on Roma and Milan as we said at the start we're not going to mention the Milanese clubs too much because they don't deserve it um, the other side of Rome Lazio beat Sampdoria 7-3 absolutely crazy um, Nick Lazio games have seen 112 goals this season in Serie A only Napoli have had more goals for and against this year. Um, works at about 3.2 goals per game. Are Lazio the most exciting side in Serie A? Yeah, there's a strong argument for that. Well, it's 18 goals in the last four matches alone. That's that's insane. Crazy. Um, it's, it's absolutely insane. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's exciting. It's good, it's good to see a team that... Um, can attack in that way. Um, there's a lot of youth, a lot of confidence there, and that's always, you know, good to see. They've got a young coach in, in Zaghi as well, which we've spoken about quite a bit recently. So it's it's an exciting time for Lazio, and I guess what I touched upon last week is it's more the fact that it does seem like this team is building into something. There's this, I think really this is just the beginning of what this team could become. So it's key that they continue that development and don't kind of... Um, you know, get it too ahead of themselves. Um, you know, th- you can kind of look at things like their defence kind of switching off at times in those games, um, you know, letting in three goals. And it was same against um, Palermo when they, I think they had a 5-0 uh, lead at half time, and then let in two goals within a few minutes of the second half starting, just kind of switching off. But, you know, I mean, you can't really blame. That's the kind of things that it's quite natural. So that'll be something that I'm sure Inzaghi wouldn't have been happy about for both those matches. So, um, you know, Colliarella got two late ones um, in the weekend that's just passed. So, um, yeah, it's the start of something. I think they're really exciting and it'll be, yeah, it's it's a matter of seeing what this team can do. Um, one thing I will say, we've spoken a lot about Lazio being a team and really nothing to me has displayed that. As I mentioned, 18 goals in four matches, of those 18 goals, there's been 10 different goal scorers from that Lazio squad, which is, again, that, that is incredible. 10 different players have scored a goal in the last four weeks for this team. That is a true team. So, um, yeah, it, it's exciting what's going on there. Yeah, one of their goal scorers, actually, to reinforce that point at the weekend, was Stefan de Vrij. Um, Vieri, I'll drag you in here. Stefan de Vrij got into your team of the week. Um, playing in defence for a team that conceded three goals. It's a very personal team of the week. And I, I, I love to say that 
I, I'm, um, as much as I love how Allegri always says Juventus need to stay really focused and that's how big clubs win, uh, I also believe that if you're winning by six goals, it doesn't really matter if you concede a cup. So I'm giving De Fry a, a place in the team of the week because the goal he scores is, uh, is great. And because while the game was balanced, he gave absolutely no chances to Qualiarella and Schick, who, let's be honest, are two decent strikers and in a, in a decent run of form. I mean, Schick was taken off with an injury, but um, De Fry's goal was, was a very good goal. It's not that simple for a central defender to score that. So I think, um, I think he deserved the spot. Yeah, for anyone watching now and listening when this does come out, head over to ForzaItalianFootball.com and take a look at the Team of the Week video, particularly this week, because <laughs> it's one of the best editing jobs I've ever seen on a video. <laughs> the Adam Lyon show is the one you're looking out for there. But um, yeah, Ciro Immobile, he's been another amazing striker this season, which of which there have been plenty in Serie A. I think we're lucky to see so many. I think more than six players have scored or six players have scored more than 20 goals this year, which is ridiculous. That just doesn't happen. But we saw him have a great season for Torino in Serie A a couple of years ago. Uh, then he went to Sevilla and Borussia Dortmund and didn't do too well. Is a club like Lazio, without being disrespectful to either, more his level? He's not quite an elite striker who should be playing in Champions League, but he's probably that next step down. Um, Nick, you can come back here. Is this where Tyrone Mobile should be building his career, or can he make another step up sometime? Yeah, 100%. I think this is where he, he should stay. I don't. I think it would be... Uh, a relatively big mistake for him to try and chase some trophies and go to a, you know, just a Juventus or Roma or Napoli. Um, firstly, he's he's getting the game time and that's key for Immobile. Um, he, he needs to be playing consistently, I think. And I, he just seems to fit in so well with that team because it is a young team and he has that role where a lot of the players do seem to look up to him and he has almost that senior kind of role there which, to be honest, I think helps him because he, he does feel like he he has a bit of a, a bigger role and he's more of a significant player there. So um, I think it helps his, his confidence. I think it helps his all-around game, really, and um, the players around him seem to complement him perfectly. So I, I don't see any need for him to, to move elsewhere. Um, and, you know, it, you, you mentioned Champions League and stuff. To be honest, I think his best chance at playing consistent kind of Champions League um, football is by helping to develop this Lazio team into a club that can consistently push for Champions League. Yes, but with the fourth Champions League place coming along next season, mm. I actually can't wait for this time next year because I can yeah. see that race for fourth place and maybe even the Scudetto being a lot more interesting than it is this year. Uh, with the three places, it's kind of wrapped up. But if you look at the two Milan clubs, Lazio, Roma, could all be competing for that fourth spot next year. And um, who knows, Fiorentina might make some sort of recovery and challenge to get back in the top European competition. Um, sure. One team who are a little bit above that is Napoli. They beat Cagliari 3-1 this weekend. And it was kind of just business as usual for the Partenope. It was exhibition stuff. There was... 
some absolutely beautiful football being played, but we kind of expect that from Napoli now. There was a great clip doing the rounds on YouTube. Um, and it was just like a 30 to 40 second clip of Napoli playing out of trouble. It was just their back four and I think the OR or somebody just playing passes like first time ping pong around. It was amazing. You should go search that out. But is this is obviously a side we want to see do well because of the football they play. Um, with Sarri there, is it kind of a bit much to say that we'd like to see Napoli win the Scudetto next season, Vieri? Well, if it, if it means Juventus not winning it. <laughs> not because I have anything against Juventus, but it says a lot that they're winning their sixth in a row and it's, a, it's a, an all-time record. It says a lot on the competitiveness of the league. So if someone else can properly challenge, and by properly challenge, I mean like the last Scudetto that Juve challenged for is their first one out of these six when AC Milan dragged it on to the final two weeks. But otherwise, um, yeah, last year Juve did struggle after a difficult start. But otherwise, it's, it's almost them against themselves, just trying to do better every season. So obviously, you mentioned earlier, Lazio being the most exciting team in the league. I would say so if there wasn't Napoli. Napoli are definitely more exciting than Lazio. The thing about Napoli... I think the issue, if we want to find it, is how do you make this team better? Because they play so well together that if you were to change, to add two, three top-level players that mean fighting for the Scudetto, you might not win it, but I mean properly challenging, who would you take out from the starting eleven? I mean, a premise could be that maybe if Napoli had uh, Milik for the whole season... We wouldn't have seen Meritans do this well, but maybe as a team they would have done better. I doubt it, but we can't really prove wrong. But um, I honestly, honestly, I do, I, it's really difficult. It's a proper struggle to find any player you could put in this Napoli 11. I mean, affordable players. And who would you take out? Because you can't right take now. out Hamsik. Well, I mean, you can change the goalkeeper, <laughs> but, but, but like Reina did yeah, some big saves this season as well. He's not been as consistent, but in, in Rome against Roma, they could, have, uh, they could have drawn that game easily if he hadn't made He made save of the season at the end of that. Yeah. It was incredible. So it's, uh, I think that's the, that's the issue with Napoli. To see them challenge, they need to change something because clearly they haven't been good enough. But what do you change? Because they play so well together. I think there's the element of change is possibly already there because we're seeing the development of the likes of Diawara and Rog, who I think I've probably spoken to them about them quite a bit. I think they have the potential to be, particularly Diawara, to be a huge um, mainstay in that midfield if Napoli can hold on to him. So um, definitely in terms of the that front, front three, um, I'm unsure what's going to happen with uh, Mertens and Milik um, because, to be honest, I don't know what you guys think. I'm not. While Milik, uh, he was quite good when he was um, at the start of the season, but the way Napoli play now, I don't think Milik necessarily fits into that style um, in terms of playing 90 minutes of football week to week. So I'm not sure they have a striker that can play in that that middle position between Callahan and Insigne if Mertens was to leave. 
playing that kind of quick style of um, football that they do um, between, you know, hamsick um, and whatnot. So that that would be my kind of main area that they need to look at. If this is, of course, if Mertens is to leave, which there has been a lot of rumours. But, um, yeah, I, I just think they have a lot of youth in that squad, which is quite exciting, which, you know, Vieri said it's one of the most exciting teams and I think it's likely to stay that way for a couple of seasons to come. Yeah, I might just jump back in there. Um, Kev P actually wrote a piece for us over on ForzaTellingFootball.com, which is worth going over and reading, guys, watching live and listening later. Um, basically looking at Dries Mertens and whether or not Napoli should cash in on him this summer. He's He celebrated his 30th birthday there on Saturday when he scored. Um, but basically... And it's something that I'd kind of agree with. I can't see Dries Martins doing this ever again. I think this season could be a once-off for him. And maybe Napoli should look to cash in on him while they can. And he's a bit unsettled in Naples. His wife, I think, doesn't feel too comfortable living there. So, Fieri, what are your thoughts there? Do you think Napoli should cash in and sell, or should they keep hold of him at all costs? I think the crucial bit there is his age, really. And obviously, mm. as you mentioned, it's the fact that it's this one season. He doesn't have three, four seasons behind him with any, anything near this consistency. Obviously, it's the first time he's playing in that central role. But I think it, the problem here is, do Napoli need to cash in? If, if it's a necessity to earn a lot of money from selling a big player to then be able to invest money in the transfer window, then yes, I would, I would cash in on, uh, on someone like Mertens because of his age. But otherwise, I mean, I mean, a proper big club doesn't really need to cash in. Juventus don't need to sell anyone. Napoli aren't at that level yet, but we're talking about a club that wants to become Juventus level. Maybe not winning six leagues in a row, but at least challenging for one. If that's the case, then they should be able to say, we'll keep Mertens, keep him happy, we'll find a player that suits our game better than Milik or Pavoletti whenever, whenever Mertens needs replacement. We'll find a proper replacement for, for Hamsik whenever he needs some time off and even in defense. So that's the issue there. If they need to cash in to buy other players, then agreed, Mertens is the one to let go. Otherwise, well, you want to improve the squad, not just change it and to keep it at the same level, then you need to hold on to your best players. And even if it's only a one-off for Mertens, you'll only find out next season. So I'd, I'd hold on to someone like this for now. Okay. Um, Nick, I won't ask you because I can see you eating some crackers or something down there in the bottom corner. We'll move on to just a quick mention of the European places. Um, Atalanta needs one more point from the last three games to secure Europe. One of the questions in the comments is from Matt again. And he's asked, what do we think of Atalanta's chances in Europe? I think Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite 
of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Take that and just take it quickly. I'm worried, to be honest. I'm worried that everyone's going to leave this summer and they're not going to have anybody left to actually play in Europe. But if they keep this squad together, there's no reason why they can't get out of the group stages at least. But look, they need another point from the last three games, so I'm trying not to get too far ahead of myself just yet. Um, six points behind Atalanta are Milan, and then there's another three-point gap to Inter and Fiorentina. <laughs> Nick's shaking his head. We're not going to talk about Inter, Nick, so don't you worry. But we are going to move down to the relegation battle. Um, actually, first, I've just got a notification which has me a bit excited and distracted. The voting is officially open for the end of season Forza Italian Football Awards. Um, so, yeah, we'll touch on that towards the end, but it's an exciting time of the year. Nick, you can go on your rant later. Just turn your mic back off for now. Um, the relegation okay. battle then guys huh no go on okay the relegation battle so Palermo confirmed as relegated and they will join Pescara in Serie B um, I suppose Genoa played an unnamed team from Milan and won 1-0 um, you kind of have to feel sorry for Cortone though because over the last seven games in Serie A they have picked up more points than anybody um, equal with Napoli I believe but nobody's picked up more points than them and they just can't catch a break because Empoli have decided that they know how to score in the last few weeks as well they've put a bit of a run together so Crotone are still in the bottom three and it looks like they're running out of chances Nick what are your thoughts? Yeah it, it's it, it, you're right it's really unlucky almost Um as you mentioned, the, the fact that in the last the last six games, um, fourteen points they've taken, which, as you said, equal with Napoli, and on the other end of the table, Inter has in the last six matches got the least amount of points, which is one. That's less than Pescara. Pescara has got two points. Just to, in context of how ridiculous um, that team is. Anyway, I don't want to discuss them, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It was, what, three weeks ago when we were talking about Empoli, Connor, and how they couldn't score a goal and how they just looked like they weren't, they didn't look like they were going to win one game. Um, and then all of a sudden, yeah, they've seemed to turn it up. So it, to be honest, I think really if, if Crotone have, are any chance, they need to get three points against Udinese on the weekend. And, well, they need to catch three points up on um on um, Empoli, otherwise uh, Crotone's, I think, final two games are Juventus and Lazio from memory I'm going yeah, by. 
then so, it's definitely Juve. They've got the worst run in of everyone. So, yeah, so, I mean, they need three points. They need to catch three points um, this weekend and then they have to muster a draw um, to try and equal Empoli if if Empoli that hasn't scored a point. So it's becoming really tough and it's really it's it would be frustrating that they're coming good so late in the season, but it might be a little too late for the Calabresi, unfortunately. Yeah, that's my thoughts as well. They've just left it too late to kind of wake up and, and start catching up. Also because it's it's a funny moment of the season. There's some clubs that literally have no reason whatsoever to fight for anything. And if you if you find those clubs against you, everything becomes a bit simpler. So I was thinking for Crotone it would have been actually easier to try and catch Genoa. But those three points Genoa got against um, Inter obviously are starting to make a difference. Just as much as I thought Empoli would lose points in Florence against Fiorentina and at the San Siro against AC Milan. Those were the two games where Crotone could have caught up and then Crotone would have probably lost against Juve in the remaining games. But Empoli ended up winning <laughs> the two games where I, where I think they'd lose points. They won both. So it's just, it's just impossible. And to be, to be fair, for what we've seen this season, as much as I admire Crotone and a part of me hopes they can, they can at least fight till the very last day, they've been in the bottom three all season. So it's almost only fair for them to relegate. And it's, it shows how bad it's been at the bottom for Serie A this season with the bottom three being defined in the first couple of months already. Yeah, we had completely written off the bottom three by about December, I think. Even on the podcast, we just weren't even acknowledging that the bottom four or five existed because the bottom three were just cut adrift. So I think Crotone deserve a bit of credit for making it interesting. And if Inter had actually been a competent team at the weekend, they would only be two points off Genoa. So Inter have let the whole of Serie A down, except for Empoli and Gen- or Genoa, rather. Um, Nick bring you in Juventus play Monaco in the second leg of their Champions League semi-final on Tuesday some people will have listened to this will be listening to this after that so let's not spend too long on it Juve can't mess this up can they no you can't really see a a circumstance where Monaco go through um Obviously, there's a full preview for the second leg that I've done. It's actually published now, so you could actually pause this and go watch it now and then come back and finish this. So, okay. Um, but, no, I, th- I think <laughs> it's... Um, clinical little <laughs> I think, yeah. Well, look, Monaco, um, they can score goals, but the thing is they're going to concede... Um, you know they're not going to be able to hold Juventus out if they are if they are pushing forward and it's it's just too hard to do it at Juventus Stadium. It's you know I mean we said the Barcelona comeback would be impossible at Camp Nou, but this this is more so. Um, you know, but I just can't see them losing it. Yeah, okay, I think that's conclusive enough. If you want more on Juve Monaco, head over to well. Wait till this is finished, preferably. They've already watched it. They already watched it. They've already watched it. Welcome back to those of you who <laughs> for those of you who haven't, go and watch it now. 
when this is finished. We'll move on. And um, that's kind of it for in terms of talking about matches. But don't go anywhere because we're coming up to the all exciting FIF end of season awards, which are, <laughs> I think it's fair to say, the highlight of the season on Forza Italian Football. But first, we will get to something that we were having a bit of fun with on Twitter recently. Um, we got a tweet, I think, requesting that we make up teams, choosing no more than one player per club. I think I've got that right. So, Nick, have you... I told you to take a look at this and get your teams ready. Have you got your 11? I do. All right, so give us a run-through. So just the rules are you couldn't select more than one player from each club. Um, and if you wanted to choose a coach, you could. So let us know your formation and talk us through your 11, then, Nick. Yeah. Um, okay. So I've gone with a 3-4-2-1 formation. It was quite a, quite a difficult task. So it's not my favorite formation, but it was what was required to fit these players in. So keeper, goalkeeper, I have Rafael in defense now it's a strong three-man defense i wanted to start from the back as strong as possible following juventus lead um, over the last couple seasons so i've got benucci in the middle leonardo benucci i've got manolas from roma and then acerbi from sassuolo so three very capable center backs Um, i think it would be quite tough to break them down in that four-man defense in the center bilia from Lazio, who has been, um, you know, to me, he's been probably the one, probably the one, one of the most underrated players this season. Um, in that that Lazio midfield, he's a workhorse, uh, tackling, intercepting, um, yeah, and, and making that making that team tick. Um, on the wings, you've got Conti from uh, Atalanta. Now I know he is on the right usually, but I have shifted him on the left because. Um, <laughs> because I needed to make room. Then I've got Zappacosta on the right from Torino. Um, I have Sousa. How much longer are you going to take <laughs> We've got You said to take me through it. You said to explain it. Try to explain. Oh, I'm trying to give the people my explanation. Oh, if you just want me to name people, I can. My God. Just name them, please. Suso, because if you really think about <laughs> what kind of a man he is and what he stands for, then... Okay, that's uh, enough from Nick. Very Hamsick, because he's been one of the greatest players in Serie A this season. And then Akadi because he's been, hands down, the best striker in Serie A this season. Done. Well, Boom. he hasn't been. But, um, Vieri, do you want to talk? bring us through your team quickly, please? Um, uh, I'll start just, from, from... Just give me one sec, one sec, one sec. If you're watching and you haven't submitted a team, get over to Twitter and send it over using the hashtag FIF11, FIFXI, that is. Um, Nick, or Vieri, go for it. Nick, don't speak. After, after Nick mentioning that Icardi is the best number nine in Serie <laughs> I will start from the one who leads my 11 and is actually the best number nine in Serie which is obviously Bellotti. Obviously. In my, in my 4-2-3-1 formation, He's the center forward. Behind him, the trio is Suso, Dybala, and Insigne. In goal, we have Kordat. And remember this name because you'll see him a lot because he is by far the best goalkeeper this season. Oh, 
In defense, Chiesa, Caldara, Dainelli, and Radu. We've got everything there. Experience, youth, um, attacking players and defensive players. And then obviously the two players I'm most proud about, Gagliardini and Nainggolan in midfield. I think they could probably win the game on their own. Um, they've got everything they need. So yeah, that's my, that's my 11. Any team with gags in it is a winner, except for Inter. I think it's fair to say. I'll bring you through mine in a more traditional way because my head hurts trying to keep up with whatever way you listed that, Vieri, to be honest. In goal, I've got Gigi Donnarumma. Uh, back three of Koulibaly, Bonucci, Acerbi. Midfield four, Bernardeschi, Nangalan, Bilia and Perisic. Nick, that is one for you. And up top, we've got Papa Gomez, Andrea Bellotti and Patrick Schick. We did get a lot of interaction with this on Twitter. Um, I'm going to read you out a couple of the, two of the best teams that came in. One was from Cami Anderson and he's gone for a 4-2-4. He's gone Donnarumma, Samir, Bonucci, Devry, Husai. Um, midfield two of Nangalan to do all the running and Borja Valero to do all the creating. And then up top, he's got Papagomez, Icardi, Bellotti and Schick. And then, Someone without a name, who is a Milan fan because it's just Milanista, has gone for a 4-2-3-1. Uh, Perrin in goal. Conti, Miranda, De Vrij, Sandro. Pellegrini, Nangalan. Bernardeschi, Hamsik, Bonaventura. And Andrea Bellotti up top. Nick has taken in some more crackers. So I think he's getting bored over there. You should put your mic on mute when you're eating next time, Nick. Um, um, I want the people to hear. But yeah, like I said, um, if you haven't sent your teams in, Get over to Twitter. Use the hashtag FIFXI and a, let us know your Schick in their teams. Patrick Schick's a good player. And when you're limited to he, one player... He's a good player, but he's quite young. I'm not sure he'd make my all-star 11. Well, he didn't make yours, and I think that says enough. So, mm. guys, if you're ready, we're going to move on to the most exciting time of the season for Forza Italian football writers, uh, the most controversial time of the season for Nicholas Carroll. And hopefully it's an enjoyable time of the season for the listeners and viewers as well. So basically, the Forza Italian Football Awards are an annual awards that we do on the site. Nick, seriously, turn your mic on mute if you're going to be eating crackers or I'm going to hunt you down and slap you. Um, uh, we basically look to honour the best of the best that Salt. Syria has had on offer right. over the season. Um, we've got awards for the best team, the best coach, the best players and... A lot more, really. There's been a lot of games in Serie A, so it's hard to narrow this down. There's been a lot of good players, a lot of good strikers, some less good than others. Um, but yeah, so I'll bring you through the categories and the nominees. This is a bit controversial. We, we had a long day arguing with poor Nicholas about this. But okay, so the category for player of the season Gigi Donnarumma, Eden Dzeko, Papa Gomez, Marek Hamšík, Dries Mertens, Andrea Bellotti, Merrick, oh no, sorry, he didn't make it in, Mattia Caldara, Rajan Angolan, Gonzalo Iguain, and Sami Kadira. Vieri, that's pretty much a conclusive list, isn't it? Yes, 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 pretty much. Nick, you happy with that list? Um, I think there's a lot of strong talent there. I think there's one blatantly obvious omission in Mario Cardi. Why? Um, 24 goals, eight assists, um, 
you know, seems yeah. like it would be enough for someone to be amongst the players of the season nominees. But yeah. uh, what would I know? I'm just Australian. So. Now, who's the 11th best player in Serie A this year? Um, 11th best. Actually, in terms of shot accuracy, there have been 24 players who have scored 10 or more goals in Serie A this year. Mm. Of those 24, uh, where do you think Mero ranks in terms of shots on target per shots taken? I, I don't care. 23rd. Only Giovanni Simeone has been less accurate in his shooting of players with 10 or more goals. And he's, a, he's an inter-target for, for mm. next season. I mean, he'll be in good company. If you think Mero Cardi should be in the best 10 Serie A players, um, get yourself checked out. But let us know on Twitter, maybe, and call me an idiot if you want. No, well, honestly, I would like to know if anyone actually thinks that he should be because Inter aside, he, well, he does carry that team. So, um, you know, it, he's, he's li- almost literally, he's not literally, but yeah, anyway, okay, I'm done. I'm not talking about this. Okay, um, we did enough talking about it earlier. We've got a category for team of the season and the nominees there are Juventus, Napoli, Lazio, Roma, Atalanta, Torino and I didn't know this team had made it in. I don't know how they have Crotone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are people's thoughts on that? I well, think Lazio and Atalanta and Juventus are probably the favourites for that one, aren't they? I, I would say Juventus, especially if they win the Champions League. But uh, but Atalanta is is a decent one. Crotone, honestly, if Crotone avoid relegation somehow, they mm. they are my team of the season. They've yeah. got the best goalkeeper already, so. Yeah, it's a good shout. Um, I disagree with you on the best goalkeeper, but he's, he's not bad. Um, coach of the season. This is going to be an interesting one. Uh, Massimiliano Allegri, uh, Luciano Spalletti, Maurizio Sarri, and then the two big contenders for me are Simone Inzaghi of Lazio and Gian Piero Gasparini of Atalanta. Nick, thoughts on that one? Oh, that's tough. Yeah, Gasparini or Inzaghi, it's... It's a throw-up between them. I can't split them. Mm. Um, on coaches, we've had a question on the live comments. Um, just one word answers, guys. Do you think Motella has done enough to keep his job? Um, this particular guy isn't really satisfied with his tactics and handling of Locatelli, Baca, and Kuchka. Has he done enough? Yes. 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 I agree. Um, sorry. But, yeah. <laughs> one word answers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, second word. <laughs> that was a bit hashtag clinical of me goal of the season contenders we've got Simone Verdi for Bologna against Sampdoria from week 5 my personal pick is Dries Mertens for Napoli against Torino in week mm. 17 the chipped effort over Joe Hart that was amazing but did he even want to do that come on we could open up God, a whole new chapter of the discussion here if he did it last season, I'd have said no. But given the season he's had, I think it's only right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Luis Muriel for Sampdoria against Roma. Again, that was week three. Manuel Locatelli, which I'm sure Milan fans will remember. Um, it was a beautiful goal against Juve in week nine. A more recent one, Leonardo Bonucci for Juventus against Genoa. Oh, great goal. Yeah, so we were fans of that one. Dries Mertens with a second entry for a goal oh, against Empoli week 29. Great kick, right? Mm, I think that's the one. Uh, Rajan Nangalan. Nick Oddly, this was one of your nominations for his second goal he scored at the San Siro against Inter. 
Yeah, it's one of those ones where what can you do? You just kind of got to pay the man tribute for that. And then this is mine. I commented on our little chat saying that this is the right answer. It's Patrick Schick for Sampdoria against Crotone, the Dennis Bergkamp style finish. We had Vito Doria on to discuss that one when it went in. And my God, that was a beaut. And then we've got two that I didn't nominate but made the selection. Interesting. Mattia Caldara second for Atalanta against Napoli, which to be fair, I had forgotten about that, but that was amazing. That was, um, yeah, that was a great goal. And then Alejandro Gomez for his goal for Atalanta against Crotone, which I think was their first win of the season way back in week six. Hmm. So what are your votes there, guys? I'm going for Mertens against Torino. Despite saying that Patrick Schicks was the best. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, no, I'd, I'd go with um, Caldaras. Considering he's a defender as well, and the mm. season he's had. That goal's worth looking at, because he started the move as well. He intercepted the attack. Exactly. No, it's a, it's a really complete goal, and it's, uh, it's, quite, it's a heavy goal as well in terms of the result. As much as, say, Merton's one, you, the one you picked is beautiful, but it was his fifth. Yeah, I, I made the mistake of voting before reading the full list because I would have gone for Caldara second, Shake first, and then Mertens probably third, but I've cast my vote and Mertens is the one that got it, sadly. Um, right, let's get through this signing of the season. We've got Iguain, Giro Mobile, Dani Alves, Marco Barriello, Roberto Gagliardini, Leonardo Spinazzola, Federico Fazio, Gerard Delefeu, Patrick Schick, and Amadou Diawara. Nick, Gags. Gags, 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 easy. Danny Alves for me, but gags is definitely up there. Um, one of my personal favorite categories is worst signing of the season. We've got Alberto Poloski, who, believe it or not, is at Atalanta. Adel Tarat, <laughs> I forgot he was in Italy. He was my vote. Gabby Gold, <laughs> Leonardo Pavoletti, Thomas Vermalen, another one. I forgot he was actually playing in Serie A. He's at Roma, believe it or not. Christian Ansaldi. Alberto Aquilani, Alberto Gilardino, and Juani Turbe. Vieri, who's your vote? Worst signing of the season. Mm. <laughs> well, it has to be Gabigol. It has to be Gabriel Barbosa. It's not, I feel a bit bad for him, to be honest. It's not mm. necessarily his fault, but if you spend $30 million on a player, he needs to make a difference for your team. It's kind of the Fernando Torres thing with Chelsea. He wasn't actually that bad, but he was nowhere near 50 million worth. Overachievers, Nick, Atalanta, Lazio, Empoli, or Torino. How have Empoli got in there? Go on. <laughs> what? <Empoli. laughs> um, Atalanta, obviously. Yeah. That's not even me being... Is, it, is that a GL? That must be Empoli? a joke. I, I think that's a mistake. Underachievers... <laughs> We've got AC Milan, Inter, Fiorentina, Sassuolo, Roma, Napoli, Bologna, and Genoa. Inter, surely, given all they spent. Given the amount that club has spent, it has to be Inter. It's ridiculous. Fiorentina have got to be up there as well, though. And yeah, but I can't, I can't see how anybody would vote anything but Inter in the underachievers. Yet, mm. 50% of people who have voted have voted something different. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, yeah. magical. How are you seeing these stats? Yeah, mine I'll say 100%. Mine think I'm the only one that's voted. Loser of the season. This is going to be a runaway, <laughs> I think. We've got Serie A's bottom three, Fiorentina's strike force. Gabi Gol. Stefano Adriano Galliani, Serie A referees. 
uh, the racist Cagliari fans, uh, Gabby Goal, and surely the runaway winner, Milan as a footballing city. There you go. Yeah, I've just casted my vote. And <laughs> <laughs> Milan as a footballing city are on 60%. Yeah, they're going to win. Um, losers. We've got veteran player of the season. We've got Gigi Buffon, Andrea Barzali, Francesco Totti, Emiliano Moretti, Stefano Sorrentino. Sergio Pellissier, we know how that's got in, let's be honest. Paolo can, I just say, can I just say, Pellissier deserves it more than anyone. This Big guy, surge. Gigi, Big surge. Give it to this him. This guy, he's, he's scored what? He's on nine goals. And he just <laughs> you watch, you don't watch the, the nobody watches the Kevo game. And then you go, in, you go through the highlights and you're like, it's, is it the same Pellissier as 10 years ago? Is it him who just scored? I find him unbelievable, so he definitely deserves a vote. We're all fans of Big Surge. Some of us behind the scenes more so than mm-hmm. everyone else. But, okay, the veteran, to qualify for that, you have to be 35 or over at the start of the season. We've got two more categories, but this is an interesting one. Young player of the season. Uh, Lucas Torreira of Samp, Amadou Diawara, Lorenzo Pellegrini, Patrick Schick, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, Keita Balde Jao, Giovanni Simeone, Frank Cassie, and my vote went for Gigi Donnarumma. Nick, thoughts? I'll go Diawara. I think the, the maturity that he shows as a youngster is incredible. He's on 0%. Ooh. Well, I haven't voted yet, so. <laughs> Everyone, um, vote Diawara. If this right. was in December, I think Frank Cassie would have run away, but he kind of slowed down a little bit, understandably, yeah. after Christmas. And then the big one, I think we can all agree, the big one every year, and it's no different this year. This is basically the World Cup final of the FIF Awards, and it's the Marco Materazzi Award for Greatness. Um, your options are Marco Materazzi or Matrix. I've obviously gone for Materazzi. Guys? Yep. And he's, it's actually quite tight. <laughs> if you look at the percentages. What are the polls showing us? We have a, a 33% for Matrix and consequently a 67% for Marco Materazzi. Fake news. Fake news. The polls are lying to us. And Did the pen not get a nomination for that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Nick, keep your political <laughs> views out of this, please. Um, I think that's all. But yeah, head over to ForzaItalianFootball.com. Go find the awards. Um, they're online now, so they're right at the top of the page. You can't miss them. And cast your vote. Remember, Alejandro Papa Gomez is the Sergat player of the season. And Mauro Cardi is the 11th best. Uh, just a bit of housekeeping. Next week, the pod will be done on Tuesday night because I'm away, unfortunately. Nick. Oh. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, so we'll see you tonight. Apologies to everyone out there who relies on us on a Monday evening. We have to make room for Connor. Mm-hmm. So, mm. Yeah, apologies for that, guys. But to be honest, I'm not really that sorry if the result goes my way. I'm going to be going to. I might be going to Torino Napoli on the Sunday. What do you think? Should I go? To? I'm considering that a lot. Well, you get to see. Yeah, the, I'll get to see the two best strikers in Serie A, really. <laughs> and then in the other game, I'm going to Atalanta-Milan. I will see the third best attacker in Serie A this year. Um, La Padula. <laughs> <laughs> no, Carlos Baca. Carlos Baca, Carlos Baca yeah. I'm actually, 
But yeah, guys, say your goodbyes. Oh, bye. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs> um, that's all. We'll chat to you next week. Until then, it's ciao for now. Sube la música que no se siente caliente. Los muchachos de autogol, el papu con DJ Matrix y Ricky Go. Let's go, let's go. ringraziare vale con me Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 